0: Hey team, it's Ando here. 2022 is a big year for Australian rugby, and we at Pick and Drive Rugby want to be in the thick of it, but we need your support. We want to attend post-match press conferences to ask your questions. We need more interviews with players and coaches to give you the insights that you want into the game they play in heaven. And we want better recording equipment to create a superior listening experience for you. If you like what we do, and let's be honest, even if you don't, please consider getting involved in sending us a tip. All donations will be put straight back into the podcast. We do this for love, not money, but every little bit counts. So please go to ko-fi-coffee.com slash rugby. You can give us $1, you can give us 5 whatever is within your budget, we would be incredibly appreciative for. Thank you for your support. Let's get back to the pod. Australia, Quay Cooper for the win, it's on its way, it's on its way, it's gone, Cooper is
1: the man.
0: Hi there and welcome to Pick and Drive Rugby Podcast, we're diehard rugby fans having a weekly chat about all things Aussie rugby, we're real family friendly and positive so get involved. Get involved. My name is Ando. I am your regular host. With me is Mitch. He's your regular host as well. How are you, Mitch? Very good. Uh,
1: we have a good, exciting episode, hopefully, to talk about today. We're doing a <laughs> no, Year in exciting.
0: Review a year in review now we're going to keep this um somewhat brief now we sometimes say that this time it will be the reason why is because in a couple of weeks time it's either going to be this coming sunday or the following sunday we're going to have a rugby royal rumble we're still talking through the dates sorry we don't have that finalized for you by the time of recording but In that rumble, we're going to be doing a more in-depth review of 2022, um, particularly around areas like Super Rugby, uh, Pacific, and other other elements of what's happened throughout the year. So we're just going to be talking about some of the areas that caught our interest, but particularly we, we, we wanted to hear from you, our fans. So... To begin with, if you want to catch up with us and get in touch, you're welcome to jump on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, we're on all the major platforms, or you can even email us at at pickanddriverugby@gmail.com. always welcome to get in touch. And our focus for tonight is a quick news and rugby update because there's a couple of things that are of interest that we want to quickly talk about before we then get into our talking points or review of 2022. Mitch and I are going to be putting out our thoughts before we then track through the fan responses because this is the people's podcast. We want to hear from you and so we have and we're going to hear from you and we're very excited for that. So Mitch, I know I've just spoken a lot. (laughs) I said a lot of what we're going to be doing but it's pretty simple, mate. Should we just dive on in? Yeah, I think
1: so. Uh, You'll hear enough of me as we get on later through the podcast. So let's just dive into it.
0: Let's dive in. Let's go. All
1: right, let's talk some quick news and a bit of a rugby update for some of the things that have happened recently that we haven't had time to talk about on the pod. So, starting with this past weekend, we did have the Dubai Rugby Sevens, the second leg for the men's of the World Series in the first leg for 2022 slash 2023 for the women, uh, well done to the women, the Aussie women who took out the first leg of the series, beating New Zealand in the final. Unfortunately, the Aussie men's team did finish seventh, so not um, as good a competition as they would have hoped for. But uh, I'll run quickly through the results and then we'll um, we'll move on because we don't want to talk too much about this. But um, Kenya. The first game, Kenya, 19-19, uh, 19-all for the Aussie men. They then won against Great Britain 28-19 and ultimately lost against South Africa 12-19. South Africa did go on to win the whole uh, first leg of the Dubai 7. So well done to South Africa there. Then in the women's side, they uh, beat China 36-7. They then beat Canada 33-0 and then uh, USA 29-12. Do you have the um, score for the final there, Andrew?
0: Oh, no, I don't off the top of my head, mate. Um,
1: okay.
0: so
1: oh, 26-19. 26-19. 26-19. they beat New Zealand in the final to get their World Series off and running with a first place win in Dubai. Uh, hopefully, the Aussie men can turn things around this coming weekend. So this coming weekend, they are playing in Cape Town for the Cape Town Sevens. So uh, not too long to sort of worry about and hopefully they can turn things around
0: hopefully now there was some interesting news coming out that we're just going to touch on uh we're not going to delve deep into this but there are going to be changes to the sevens world series structure moving forward so it's going to be a 12 team competition which uh, reduces the number within the men's comp and it's going to be an aligned men and women's competition so they're going to play the same number of rounds within the world series at the same yeah. locations, same times uh, and there will be a promotion relegation system from the second tier for the bottom four place teams at the end of the world series so again we'll unpack that in more detail at a later date but it's interesting to see the way in which the world uh, series is really working to promote and align the men's and the women's games quite effectively and i think it also improves the quality of the product if you're able to have both the men's and women's competition at the same venue on the same weekend uh, with the multiple storylines that go through those two i believe
1: i've read somewhere that they're going to be equal pay as well
0: yep correct so, that so that's absolutely fantastic brilliant
1: fantastic step forward by world rugby to get both the men and the women on the same uh footing which is awesome
0: brilliant so world rugby awards mate this happened about 10 days ago but we didn't speak about it last week so we thought we'd mention it for you now
1: so we had charlotte Kazlick, who took out women's player of the year for sevens uh which is very exciting from an australian rugby perspective we also had marika korabedi <clears throat> named in the world 15 team of the year so he was named on the wing which is fantastic and I guess somewhat controversially, maybe not. We didn't have any of our Wallaroos players named in the Women's Fifteen Team of the Year, so yeah, um, it's
0: disappointing. But when you look at when you look at the players that they would have been up against for some of the key positions, I think really it's maybe only Grace Hamilton that's probably in with a shout, and um, uh, is it Marley Packer who's the English number eight? Um Possibly. Anyway, so. yeah, they've yep. they had some absolute quality players in number eight across England France, New Zealand. So, look, I, I can understand her omission there. Um, Outside of her, I don't think we have any players that are going to be up at to that top tier yet. Give them time. Give them time and pay and they'll get there.
1: There was a little bit of controversy that came out of the World Rugby Awards this year that <laughs> yep. first, uh, Artie Surveyor was overlooked for two categories that he really probably could have won. The first was men's player of the year he wasn't even nominated for that and everyone in new zealand is questioning whether new zealand exists or not and then he was overlooked <laughs> for the 15s men's team of the year as well which he probably should have been included in i mean i don't think you can talk about the best team in the world and not include a player
0: of his talent. Oh, he's just been immense this year. He's been absolutely brilliant, and the fact that he wasn't even considered was was just ridiculous in my mind. Uh, yeah, so that that was a big talking point, and um, something that yeah, a lot of people were saying. Uh, yeah, not sure, not sure what's going on here, but <laughs> these 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 um award ceremonies are. A wonderful way to celebrate players but you just get some odd calls and i'm not s- s- claiming that these are like diversity picks or anything like that but i think that there's an element of wanting to spread players around outside of some of the big traditionally big nations um so i mean i don't see how josh van der fleer is the best 15s player in the world um yeah that was an interesting call but why don't we move on mate we don't want to st- dwell on that for too That's long.
1: right. So we have had some news that's come in from a fan uh, on social media so well done uh, to him and thank you for getting in touch. The, there was a report uh, earlier this week or potentially late last week in a French newspaper, a bi-weekly French rugby newspaper Midi Olympic that is stating that Falafa and Gaha is in talks to sign with Clermont for next year. So uh, nothing officially confirmed yet from an Australian rugby perspective but there is rumors that he is in talks with a french club and he, we do know and we can confirm that Flau Faanga has signed with the Western Force for next year making the move from between 2022 and 2023 from the Brumbies he did feature quite heavily for the wallabies this year and you know whatever your thoughts are on his um i guess value as a as a viable option for the wallabies moving forward it is interesting to see Yep. in a world cup year that he is in talks to be looking to go overseas. So yeah,
0: so the the top 14 season um runs from like uh, August through till June. It's a stupidly long season. Um so they are near halfway through their season kind of at this point or kind of at the tail end of the first third. And so what it would likely be in my estimation is he'd probably do the full Super Rugby Pacific season with the Force then if he was to move Um, It would be after the Rugby World Cup. And in a lot of ways, that makes sense. He's 27. So moving at that point of his career after, well, at the start of a World Cup cycle, going overseas, hopefully making a bit more bank, uh, playing over in France and getting the experience of living over in France as well, doing that European lifestyle. Like you you don't begrudge the guy at all. So if it does happen, good for him. I hope it's a great experience. And he has maybe a year or two at the end, Maybe in Australian rugby, coming back as a front row forward with greater European experience and um, hopefully a little, few, a few more arrows to his bow or something like that <laughs> uh, for him to be using. But yeah, that was the news. It's only it's only reported so far. I just want to emphasise that is not confirmed, but it's something that we've seen within the French rugby newspaper Midi Olympique. Yep,
1: that is correct. Uh, one other point that we haven't got on our run sheet, Ando. So I'm throwing this one oh. to you. That has uh, some people in South Africa particularly questioning. Is the amount of rugby that's being played by, particularly the Springboks players, and mm. the URC is the t- is the competition that the South African Super Rugby teams are now playing in, and South Africa wrapped up their 2022 season last week against England, um, and there has been reports that some of their bigger name players, Eben Etzebeth, Sia Khaleesi have now moved back, and due to some sort of struggling performances by some of the South African-based URC teams, they've been rushed back straight into the URC teams with little to no break at all. And so there is fears that these players will burn out and that is a really um, a big issue that does need to be addressed by World Rugby around getting these players desired time off between big competitions like this because some of these South African players have nearly been playing for 12, 13, 14 months straight already and yep. have the potential to continue, particularly with the World Cup next year. Yeah.
0: And look, it's an ongoing challenge. And I think one of the issues of kind of the European competitions, we do talk about opportunities for... um Australian players to be getting more games. And that's really significant. I think there just needs to be the balance between player welfare and player experience and development. So however, the sports scientists can manage that effectively in combination with broadcast realities will be an interesting element of the rugby landscape moving forward.
1: Definitely. Definitely. And the last point that we did have announced last Friday in Sydney is that Super Rugby Pacific has been confirmed and locked in between both Australia and New Zealand rugby unions until 2030. So that's, uh, I guess, news that we were all hoping for, that there was going to be some confirmation of how long this competition will run. We don't know exactly if the format that it currently sort of features in with the eight team making the playoffs and, and that sort of thing will be the longevity, will be there for the full uh time of this 20 until 2030 when the negotiation comes up again, but at least at the moment we do have the teams can are locked in to a competition until 2030, which is really exciting.
0: Yeah, definitely. Definitely. We'll get more into this in the rumble, but I'm very happy with it in a general sense. Uh, there at least has been some discussion about trying to expand the, um, super rugby, our our picky, Mm -hmm. um, and the, women's super rugby competition in Australia super to w. be a trans yeah super w to be a trans Tasman competition moving forward it won't be happening for 2023 but there's at least the mention that that is something that they're aiming for so that's positive at the least but yep. I would prefer more <laughs> <laughs> uh but we'll, we'll at least take that for right now at the end of a long long rugby year when everybody's kind of putting tools down for I a think few weeks.
1: uh from what I've Also, my sort of read of the situation too is New Zealand rugby is pushing heavily for that crossover and I think they're ready to go 2023. But Rugby Australia, probably we're not at a point at the moment where we can expect our uh, women's players to be able to commit to a longer competition whilst they're still not being paid or compensated um, for that time. So, a little bit of work to be done there. But there are talks that that we might have some crossover hopefully next year, Mm. uh, 2023, Mm. and then looking by 2024 to at least have some form of crossover uh developed and then hopefully by 2025 when rugby australia has their kind of plans to professionalize the whole wallaroo setup that we can have a fully fledged cross uh trans-tasman competition
0: it'd be cool to have something like a cup shield play playoff um for the various teams like top two middle two and then bottom one from each competition play each playoff against each other um that i think that'd be really really good yeah. oh, bottom two so uh playoff i think that could be something at least to give some element of crossover without it having to be a fully fledged competition but anyway we have a lot to go through in terms of the talking points for 2022 why don't we move on my friend let's keep going let's go Well, it's that time of the year where everybody has started to down tools and look forward to that break that Christmas and the new year brings, where we have the turning over a leaf. Everybody fails their new year's commitments within about four days of setting their new year's commitments or resolutions. (laughs) And so this provides us with an opportunity to reflect back on 2022 and the highs and the lows that it has brought. So. We put out questions to you, dear listeners, on our social media platforms, and by a golly, did you respond. So thank you very much for talking through things like the uh, score out of 10 that you'll provide for the men and women's competitions, who your MVP of 2022 was, and so on and so forth. The way that we're going to do this is Mitch and I will be talking through our answers and responses first before we then go through yours, okay? Because we thought it'd be a bit easier to manage things that way. So let's start off looking at a score for both the men and the women out of 10. So for me, Mitch, I have given the men, I'm going to say it's not a pass mark. They're getting about a 4.5 out of 10. And the women are getting a 6.5 out of 10. Um, And if I was to include, actually, you know what, I'm going to boost that up to a 7.5 because I'm including the... I'm including the sevens as a part of that as well. I'm not just talking about the 15s. All right. All right. So for me, 4.5 for the men, 7.5 for the women. Quickly give us your numbers and then we'll talk about why.
1: Uh, So we're lugging – so we're wallabies, sevens, all in one, men.
0: Basically, 15s and sevens all in the one competition.
1: Oh, that changes
0: things. That
1: that definitely changes things because that pushes – that that helps carry the men a little bit higher. Yeah, I I know. I know. So, so I, maybe I'll, I'll go i I'll go six for the men based mm-hmm. on the seventh performance. They took out the World Series. Fantastic. Yep. If we're looking at the Wallabies only, five and a half. Yeah. Okay. Um with the women, um, I would I was gonna go seven and a half too for the Wallaroos, so I'll go eight um, including maybe eight and a half, including the uh the sevens, because the sevens girls have just like They've not, crown, absolutely. They've not lost it. anything this year. They've been fantastic.
0: <laughs> they have been fantastic. Well, look, part of the reason why I've gone so low is because I can't accept that playing, uh, that winning five games and losing nine is an acceptable return for the Wallabies. I also think not having an Australian team within a Super Rugby Pacific finals, uh, and in addition Final to that, or finals final uh final final I meant to say the final final okay we um, had two teams in the finals we did we did uh final three teams um and also yeah just finding it really really difficult to rely upon excuses of injuries and things like player availability when a lot of other teams have similar difficulties Mm -hmm. to us maybe not to the full extent but similar so they couldn't pass and unfortunately whilst i love sevens it's not a huge part of the mainstream rugby landscape so it wasn't enough to pull the men's result over 4.5 for me um any any explanation that you wanted to provide on your front
1: uh look i'll say i'll start off with for The wall- Wallabies, uh, we it's an underwhelming season. Uh, this spring tour, yeah, we've spoken about it last week. But this spring tour, tactical issues, decisions at certain times, those kinds of things really kind of let us down. Not, losing that game to Italy always hurts and knocks us back a few pegs. Uh, the performances that we have put in against some teams, like the first time against each team, so that first game against Argentina was pretty good that first game against south africa was fantastic that first Bledisloe slow test down in in melbourne was incredible um but then the follow-up week was just shocking and particularly that uh, we'll get to the low lifes later but particularly the the turnaround this year has just been really really bad mm, from yeah, the wallabies yep, yep. and we i i don't want to be giving them a score over five either but we have to look at the sevens performance because you are making us put them together, which is I think, unjust <laughs> and unfair, but the sevens guys have performed really well. So
0: they have, they have, they've been fantastic. And I think that that's what kind of rescues the seasons from an overall rugby perspective. Uh, well, why don't we shift on forward because we do want to fly through this section just a little bit so we yep. can get to your responses, dear fans. So MVP of 2022 for me, uh, it's a tough one. If we're looking at the men's competition, it's going to be Len Iketel. And then if it's going to be women's, you can't go past Charlotte Kazlik or Grace Hamilton. For me, probably Charlotte Kaslich, um, as the world's sevens player of the year. So Len Iketel and then Charlotte Kazlik are my two picks.
1: Yep. So for MVP for me, for the men's, I'm going with uh, Marika Korobete. I just yep. don't think we have been a shadow of the side that we are with him on this spring tour without him. He leaves such a big hole. Marky Mark has stepped up, but he's he's a long way to go to be pushing Marika for a starting spot. So um, I think we perform a lot better in that spring tour if we did have him there. So he's my yep. pick for the men. I'm going for uh, Emily Chancellor for the MVP. For yeah, the cool. I just think cool. that she's put in a consistent performance across all of 2022 for Super W and then for the Wallaroos. Um, just the experience that she has, the leadership she brings when Shannon Parry went off injured or had a yellow card throughout um, this World Cup, she stepped into the leadership and it didn't faze her at all. She scored, in my opinion, the try of the tournament in their uh, quarterfinal, Uh, was really hoping that, they would have won the World Rugby Award for the try of the year for the women's, but you know that yep. try by England that did take it out is pretty special too. So <laughs> it is pretty I special. I was okay to let, let that one slide, but yeah, for me, um, Emily Chancellor has been fantastic. It's kind of disappointing as an Australian rugby fan that she's going over to, to play for Harlequins in the, in the, what, the women's premiership next year. Even though we we are seeing some good performances from the Aussie oh did you girls? see Arabella Mackenzie? Yeah, try? fantastic, oh, so
0: good, fantastic. Such a palm to the face of the covering nine as well. Absolutely loved it. If you haven't seen it, um, everybody go onto I think it's on some Instagram highlight reels and stuff. It's like that. It's our on our
1: highlight one. reel. So scrum bags tagged us in it. So brilliant. If you go to our social media, it's on there. So yeah, nice she's fun. doing really well as well. But yeah, from an Australian rugby perspective, it's going to be sad not to see her running around for the Waratahs next year, and hopefully. Uh, We still need official confirmation yet whether the women get ghetto law pick or international selection pick, but Mm. um, hopefully she should be back playing for the Wallaroos in the later half of 2023.
0: Hopefully. Well, let's move on to the best and worst matches. For me, the worst match... And I, I find it hard to kind of stick beyond the worst match. Um, but the worst match was the absolute shellacking that we received by Argentina in San Juan, yep. 46 to 17. I'll just very quickly justify this before we um, hear, hear your thoughts on this. The, we, we conceded four tries within the first half. That's shocking. That's really, really bad. However, every single one of them was crap. Every single one of them was not a moment of Argentinian incredible brilliance and play it was weak australian defending poor decision making really bad execution of split second impulsive play it was really 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 bad by us and i was just thinking to myself what is this who who are we how can we possibly be having such a horrible performance um so for me yeah the defeat against um uh italy 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 bad but with the amount of team changes fair enough you look at the argentinian team that we put out or team that we put out yeah. against argentina is close to our first team depending on hey, hey, hey injuries hold, and hold stuff. your horses
1: hold your horses you're gonna steal my right. thunder here all right all leave right. me okay, nothing that's to me. say that's me over to you yeah uh, um i i'm on the same train to you and that was what i was going to say as well that argentinian game i mean italy again it's it's a sore point we should have won that game realistically we're still in it at the death though like if if ben donaldson makes that kick against italy we win that game we shouldn't have and we didn't deserve to but we could have won that game yep whereas 46 17 the wallabies were outclassed there was no way there was any chance of us coming back in the final 20 minutes like we did against wales so as you were starting to say before i tried to shut you down (laughs) Ando. my my main point around why this is I, i i guess i'll I'll go with both this game and the game in sydney against um south africa the second springbok test is that in some ways this the this point around selection and continuity of selection and not backing it up week in week out is probably worse for that sydney test because we made one change to the 23 but there was no way that we should have been beaten as convincingly by south africa uh, by argentina in that second test and and as you rightly pointed out Ando. like a lot of those points that were scored against us were all from our own mistakes and for our own wrongdoings more so than south uh, argentina being particularly good um mm. or, or put i mean they did put us under pressure so i'm not saying that they didn't deserve to win or anything like that um but yeah that those two games the teams that we made we didn't have as many changes as we as if we looked to that sort of italy game later in the season yep. um and that's why yep. they sort of rank up there as worst matches what's your best match
0: oh uh, look i um can you say yours and then i'll say mine moving into the highlight of the season so you go you go first
1: i'm a bit torn on this one because i think my favorite match of the year was that is a loss ultimately oh, is yeah. that is the uh the first Bledisloe test down in melbourne i thought we played yeah, okay. really really yeah. well and we put the yeah. all blacks under a lot of pressure and were it not for a little bit of pedantic refereeing, we should have won that
0: Maturinal. game.
1: We should have won that game. And if we had won that game, we're up and about. Everyone's talking about how good this performance is. Dave Rennie's coach of the year. All of these things. <laughs> um, just, you know, yep. the the hyperbole that is Australian rugby. But yep. we didn't. We lost that game. Yep. So that, yep. that puts a little bit of a, a downer on it. But I thought that was a great performance. And uh, I thought the Wallabies put in a really good performance and pushed the all blacks very all the way to the end there
0: yeah yeah really good shout so for me we're moving across the highlight of the season now so i found it really really hard to identify a singular one so i'll talk you through my three potential highlights and then i'll identify which one is the best for me um first up the walrus first half in their opening world cup match against new zealand in the rugby world cup so they were incredible In a way, the Wallaroos came out of the gates, played a wonderful brand of footy and were able to absolutely stun and shell shock the Black Ferns who were playing at home in a home Rugby World Cup and just seemed to not be able to cope with the pressure. It was a fantastic opening. The Wallaroos couldn't keep up with them in the second half, but it was a great start for a team that was without a doubt a massive underdog within that game. Uh, That was number one number two is a jewel sevens series victories, especially how the men's was completely unexpected. And for the women, it capped a triple crown with the um, rugby world cup sevens victory and the world. Series. What else am I missing? The world series. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So um, that was just absolutely brilliant. But then if we're talking about a wallabies match in and of itself, the first game against South Africa that the wallabies played. So you have the opening try, the horse, it's just a, is it was an excellent expression of what Aussie rugby can be at its most exciting. So number eight, wanting it right, running it wide, nice little quick recycle through a half break to Fai Gaha with a quick recycle. And then a short ball to McWright steaming onto a try to the post. You know, this is a game where Marika absolutely like imploded, um uh, Ma Didn't he, boat, Fra- he launched him into the stratosphere. Yeah, that's sorry, that's a better way. He exploded him, um, <laughs> sent him into the stratosphere. And then uh Fraser McRae got a second try, so we got his double. So look, I know I've identified three highlights, but for me, just in terms of the massive moments within the match. Within key matches, I'm actually going to go the dual seven series victories, especially with the fact that the men's came down to the wire. Are these two different them. points? No, Is... no. highlight, of the, highlight no, of the season. I
1: thought we're talking about best match, not highlight of the
0: season. No, I've said I've moved on. I've combined. Oh, okay. So do I get um, a highlight? Of do about... I get a highlight? Yes, of highlight course, you do. Of course okay, cool. you do. So for me, dual seven series victories, um, particularly the women triple crown and the fact that the men's came down to incredible performances on the final tournament.
1: That was going to be my one. You've just stole it again. Again, it's unfair. So I'll go with something else. I was going to say the the final that the men won against uh, Fiji in the sevens to to take mm-hmm. out the the World Series. That was a fantastic performance. Um, again by the Aussie men sevens team and and all, all players and staff and officials involved in the sevens program in 2022 need to be across both men and women need to be congratulated because we've done so well. Um, definitely punched above our weight in a lot of regards, and and to get mm. the jewel crown there, to get both the men and women to take out the series is just fantastic. Um, I will say that my highlight of the season then will be player specific, um, oh, yeah. and I'll go with uh, Mark Nawanganitausi in these last few games, uh, particularly Australia A into. Uh, yeah, cool. Into the Wallabies in those last few games on the spring tour. Just yep. the progression that he's made, the involvement coming from sort of outside the even the Waratahs squad at the beginning of the year to sort of get make his way into the team, push for selection week in, week out for the Waratahs to then get selected for Australia A, put in really good performances there, push for a yep. spot on the spring tour, um, knocking out. A player like Suli Vunavalu, who is on massive, massive money, to get him to not even be selected on the Spring Tour is is huge, and then to put yep. in these two, three performances that he has for the Wallabies um, caps off a fantastic year for him. Can't wait. To it's see basically he does the
0: feel good story of Australian rugby in 2022, and by Jove, have we needed one? So and, and, and I just wanted to say on that point oh, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah Just yeah. A, a shout out
1: to his parents because. They go to every single game that he plays. There's just you can always see them in the crowd. They're just they're awesome. How good? Not just How Waratahs. Good. Like even he's at that point where they're going to all his Waratahs games because they're not sure if this is like, you know, if his stint's going to keep going. But they've been at Waratahs games. They were over in Fiji for the Australia A tour, and then I think I even saw them in the crowd. And no doubt they were over in the crowd for his Wallabies debut. So well done to them as well big shout out incredibly proud how cool is that? that'd be
0: huge yep and those five um, points that they must be up. <laughs> hopes for 2023 moving forward so mine are quite simple all right uh i'm sticking away from the rugby world cup because that's what we asked of our fans so my hope is that we get an australian super rugby team into the final with home ground advantage Ooh, okay? big ask yeah i know it's a big ask uh and The second point is I would like to have concrete plans for professionalism for women's rugby ahead of the 2025 Rugby World Cup in England. So I want there to be a clear pathway slash roadmap that is put forward by RA in consultation with relevant parties, individuals, bodies and the like that says, women's rugby, we value you. We see you as a critical part of the landscape of rugby here in Australia. And this is how we are going to prove that we value you by making sure that you are paid as professionals by this point mm-hmm. and putting in that roadmap for it. So that's that's my hope for 2023.
1: My hope for 2023 is in, in a super rugby sort of context, in Australian rugby in general, I guess, I want to see a good performance from all Australian super rugby sides. And not necessarily performances that mean, you know, we're gonna have we're gonna have all teams in the top five. Like that's unrealistic. But I want them to put in good performances to make their fans proud to make their players proud and I want that then to flow into the wallabies and their preparation for the World Cup so that then the Wallabies go into the World Cup and the Bletterstone, the rugby champs next year, put in really good performances to then start to let the players that are based overseas start to realise that actually there is something going on back home. We do we've got you know, our super rugby sides are being competitive against the New Zealands, the Kiwis, the the Fijian sides. We we're we're pushing for the top of the rugby championships we're potentially winning world cups we now have the lions coming down we've got a home world cup in 2027 it'd be it it all comes down to money we've been talking about that for so long we would love to have like a private equity deal finalized and just have an idea of what we can spend on bringing these players home mm. but i'd also mm. love for the teams to put in performances that make Australian rugby fans and players proud and that the players want to come back purely to be involved in Australian rugby, to push for, um, I mean, even the opportunity, if you're a player who's not necessarily going to be picked for the the Wallabies um, for the World Cup, but you want to be back because you want to play for the Waratahs or the Reds to play against the British and Irish Lions. Like, that's where I want rugby to get back to.
0: Mm. Both of us, I think, are being very aspirational with this, which is, I guess, it's it's the hope that gets you, isn't it? Which is, I mean, realistically, is that going to happen?
1: Probably not,
0: but that's where (laughs) that's where we want to get to. Mate, we should really start like a uh, a merch line of things like um consistently inconsistent and uh, it's the hope that kills you uh, as with wallabies branded stuff <laughs> i think there <laughs> might be some issues but we'll make our own kind of offcuts. um but stan coverage rating last thing before we then get to fan responses okay so stan came on board in a pretty tumultuous time and then after taking on the uh, mantle of Australian rugby broadcaster. They then had to deal with a pandemic, which shut down the competition and forced them to pivot massively. So they've had basically this as their first full year of proper rugby within um, Australia and within Super Rugby. So it's a good thing to be able to be asking, well, what do we think of the coverage overall? For me, it's pretty bloody brilliant. It's an eight out of 10 maybe even a nine out of 10. Ooh. There are two small reasons why I three small reasons why it's not getting full marks for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, number one is because it doesn't have the sevens as a part of the Stan broadcast package. I would love that to be uh, something that can be remedied for the future. Number two, I would love to have more opportunity for uh detailed game analysis, maybe even as a midweek show yep. with different people. It's, And this is targeting a niche audience, I understand, but people that do want to know more about the game from an analytical perspective. I'd really, really value that. And then number three, after identifying how Googs, has started um to speak justin harrison has started to (laughs) growl every time he gets excited i just i can't freaking unnotice it and i've just it's just (laughs) destroying me every time i hear him commentate so i love the guy still like what he does but it's become a thing for me um so that's another reason why it's gone down so eight or nine out of ten for me how about you uh, I'll say 7 out of 10.
1: Um, I think, again, I'll echo the words that you're saying. They are doing a fantastic job. It is miles and miles ahead of what we had with Fox Sports. The access that we're getting and just the amount of rugby that's included is top-notch. So, in that that aspect alone needs like a 9 or a 10. Um, again, getting 7s on, on board would be, you know, the, the cream of the crop. And that would just make it the one-stop shop for rugby anywhere yep. in the world. The 7s yep. in URC. Those are the two competitions that we mm. don't currently have access to. Yeah, correct. Um, if we had those, 10 out of 10, 12s, 15s, all of that. Um, again, I, I echo what you're saying, Ando. I think, uh, and we do need uh, more coverage around like midweek. I think mm. between two posts has been great. And yeah, really it gives it. us a different sort of um, viewpoint and, and access and just like a, a different side of both Morgs and um, Sean or. Um, Mertz, when he's on. Or Mertz when he's on there. Yep. Uh, but yeah, we need something sort of between that and sort of kick off on Friday. Rugby Heaven's mm. great too, but I think we need more of an, an analysis and a preview yeah, format cool. where we can look at the teams once they're announced and sort of do matchups and that sort of thing. Um, I'm also really not enjoying Justin Harrison's coverage at the moment. And that's probably a bit more from like a personal perspective. I just think um, he's got too much on his plate at the moment and i think it's starting to actually affect the way that he uh communicates and comments on games and things like when he's uh, other than the the growls and the excited (laughs) little things that he does when he's actually commentating (laughs) he commentates well but when he's on rugby heaven when he's talking pre and post match he he just has a different insight to what everyone else has like he's the the president of RUPA, the Players Association. So, whenever his discussion starts to sort of turn to why a players doing this or what's happening mm. and this sort of thing, he gets very defensive very quickly. We saw it on Rugby Heaven a few times this year where he him and Mertz <laughs> yeah, had a bit of back and forth. And I, I was there, I was in the studio audience for those live recordings when that happened and there was tension in the room. You could tell that they were both genuinely angry at each other for it. Yeah. Um, and then when the, like when it was cut over, they both walked off and didn't talk to each other. Like,
0: <laughs> but you know what? In a way, that's almost like okay, let's go cool down. Let's let's um... and that's
1: fine. And that's fine to yeah. have that. But what I'm saying yeah. is, I just think that he needs to realize that he has these perspectives, so he can't necessarily like he can't um, he can't dictate the conversation to the point where like we as fans sometimes need to have that conversation around those things where Mertz is going with it when we're talking mm-hmm. about referees and things, and he just completely shuts it down. So yeah, I just yep. think sometimes. You know, he's got a lot on his plate. He he is that person. Maybe he needs to step back a little bit and not put himself in that situation. Um, the only other thing I would like to see from Stan is bridging that gap between current players and the, the panel that we have. Like, Drew Mitchell's great at times. I, mm, um, yeah. I know your thoughts on it. I think he's okay. <laughs> he's passable. But it will... Um, will genya has been on a few times for Wallabies he's, games he's great. we've had he's really good we've had emily chancellor we've had laurie kramer like we've had some of current players sarah nagama, that, yep. yeah sarah nagama fantastic it's great to get the perspective of the players who are currently playing the game so if we can mm. do more of that or even get players who have just recently retired that yep. um have a bit more of a perspective on things i think that'd be great as well
0: i think matt Giddo could be somebody that could be really really good within that area too um, but anyway, guys, we really need to move on because we have been talking for a while. We haven't even got to the fan stuff yet. So let's roll through this. Um, basically, what I'll do, mate, is I'll read through the full response from each individual. Mm-hmm. And then what I'll get you to do is one point of interest or talking point from there that you want to expand upon. But yep. we'll try and keep this brief because sure. we do have a lot of responses to yeah, get through. No, that's fine. Okay. Yep. So from Ivan Gavazov, Wallabies, five out of ten. Wallaroos, 7 out of 10. MVP, Nick Frost. Best match, Adelaide versus Box. Worst match, Sydney versus Box. Highlight, Brumbies versus Hurricanes. Hopes, Bledisloe crossing a ditch and stand coverage, 7 out of 10. They need the John I Dent Cup included, which is the ACT-based competition. Yep, good shout. Yep, good shout. Can definitely see Brumbies buyers coming through. Absolutely love it. Uh, so, Christy and Willie Kay, they have said men, 4.5, women, 6 MVP is the idiot who arcade Kerevi to play in sevens. Uh, seriously, though, it's probably Bobby B or Iketau. Best match was Adelaide. Worst match was Eden Park. Highlight was Fiketi try against France. Yeah, that was bloody good. Yeah, that was And good. I just hope to be at full strength the entire year. Stan has been fantastic. Uh, And his biggest, biggest hope is to be full strength so we can actually see where we realistically stand. He's a tragic optimist, or they're a tragic optimist, but at full strength, I genuinely think they can go deep at the Rugby Mm -hmm. World Cup. Yep, for sure. Agreed with that one, my friend? Agreed with that, all of it. Yep, great. Yep, good shouts. Okay, Michael Tomlinson, men's five, women's eight, MVP slipper, best match, South Africa in Adelaide, and the Hong Kong Sevens win. Great shout. Mm -hmm. Worst, Italy, Argentina, Match two. Yep, fair enough. That's what we've covered. Reds win Super Rugby. Great coverage. Just wish more was on free to air.
1: Um, I think the Reds winning Super Rugby is a little bit unrealistic. Sorry, Michael. Yes. Um, just, looking at next the, year. just looking oh. at the squad they've got and with Tupo out for the whole season. I mean, we will do our previews next year and I want to see the Reds do well because I do love them as a team and I think what Brad Thorne has built there is fantastic, but... Um, I think that's a little bit of heart over over mine there. Um, also, <laughs> slipper. That's, that's as, a good part, isn't it? Slipper is MVP. That's um that's interesting. I mean, he has been a great stand-in captain with that with Hooper's taking some time off and the leadership that he's brought there and just the I guess um, ability to keep that cohesion from a leadership perspective going through the series. So mm. if we didn't have Slipper, we'd be in a bad spot, I think um yep. Alan Alatoa Tupo which of those players starts if if Alan Alato has to be captain but then again he's been in and out this year with concussion issues as well so
0: yeah i think i think the slips the thing that makes him a really good shout here from michael's perspective in my opinion is the fact that he is one of the oldest players in the team and has played nearly every single minute that he's been available like for the full kind of 60 minutes you expect a prop to play um he's also taken on board the captaincy duties he's also performed at a really high standard i get it for me his penalty count is the thing that takes him away from being an mvp candidate but either way still a good shout and you're welcome to your opinion michael so hugh Tindall. Wobbs, 6 out of 10. Never said die despite the injuries. Wallaroos 8 out of 10. Can't ask much more from amateurs. Sevens, men and women, 10 out of 10, obviously. Best game, England, game one. Worst Mm -hmm. game, Argentina, game two. Highlight, depth building in Australia A. Hope, competitive supersides. Stan, 9 out of 10, just need the sevens.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, He also missed MVP uh, Ikatau, who's the glue holding the Wallabies together amongst the injuries. Grace Hamilton, Warhorse Hutchinson. Bigger motor than Hooper, an almost perfect sevens player. And Madison Levi, genuine point of difference, freak athlete. It seems really nice to boot.
1: Fantastic. Yeah, that, that's actually a really good point there that Hughes mentioned, Australia A. We Neither of us focus on that, but we, we've yeah, said it in point. the past that had we not had Australia A, I don't think we can field a team for those last three games of the spring mm. tour this year. Like yep. realistically, what was it? In that last game against Wales, we had seven or eight players that were involved in the Australia A program in the starting fifteen. So really, really important for the depth of Australian rugby and that um that next generation coming through. But it's also gone to show that not or having that program has benefited the Wallabies significantly this year. Yep.
0: All right, next one. Bring back the NRC. Uh fifteens, six out of ten. In the context of injuries, they get nine out of ten. That's Okay. Okay. i get what they're saying. Uh, ladies, seven out of 10, but in the context of non-professional with adverse conditions, nine out of 10, sevens, nine out of 10 for both. I don't get how the women's aren't getting 10 out of 10 in everybody's, uh, women's sevens getting 10 out of 10 for everybody, but I get it that people are welcome to their own opinion. Well, that's both though. That's both sevens. So that's men and women. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Fair enough. Um, okay. MVP Valentini, Kazlik, Highlight, Marika, uh, Mark Noongar Noongar Spring Tour. Her hope is a World Cup Finals appearance. Oh, yep. Western Force Finals appearance. Sorry, Western Force Finals appearance. Western Force. And then Stan, eight out of ten. Please concentrate on the game being played. Fair he enough. really, well, they really loved Hambosie's try versus the Highlanders. They want four players, four Aussie teams to make the Super Rugby Finals. Um, Uh, Maybe I combine someone else's together with this. But anyway, either way. So within that, uh, Western Force making the finals, maybe, maybe. I'm not sure if they've got the recruits that they needed to be becoming a finals force moving forward. But new coach, Simon Cron, might be able to make some big changes for them. I mean, there's
1: there's eight teams that make the finals um, out of a 12-team comp, so four don't. So realistically, they just need to be better than the Rebels and Moana...
0: Drawer. The Highlanders, Highlanders and the Drua.
1: So look, it's not un- it's not undoable. It really isn't. I mean Falafangar can throw a straight line out, they're probably in with half a chance.
0: That's true. All right. Will Owen from um, Squid Rugby, brother of Robbie. Uh, actually, no, Robbie is Will's brother. I'll say it that way. I'm sure he appreciates that. <laughs> is, um, I am supremely jealous of you guys getting Stan sports coverage. It's so much better than what we get over here. Harrison, Ferguson, and Mitchell are all ace. Good to get that um, international perspective as well. Because I And mean, don't we forget Rose them. Kelly. She's she's the glue. She really Rose is the glue. Ross Kelly for team. is the glue, except she's been so busy over the tail end of the year with kind of cricket and um, tennis coverage and stuff like that. As well, if you've noticed, Nick McCardle's stepped into the breach affair uh, a bit more from being the kind of presenter, but anyway. But that's what I uh, mean She's the
1: glue, like when she's not there, you notice.
0: This is true. Uh, Hugh Tyndall, no, I've already said Hugh Tyndall, I think I've skipped some stuff. Uh, Ed Logue, here we go. Ed Logue, men five out of five, women seven out of five. MVP, Valentini, don't forget Joey Harvey, too. Sorry, oh yeah, thank you. I'll come back to him. Uh, Valentini or Ikatel slash Kazlik, best Adelaide. Worst, Mendoza or Eden Park. Yeah, fair enough. Highlight, women's and men's sevens. Hopes, an AU team in a Super Rugby Pacific final. Stan, eight out of 10. Uh, an extra point if they had analysis using footage to explain what we're doing well or not, e.g., breakdown. Yeah. Good shout, Ed. Very good shout. Um, Joey Hoey, Wallabies, six. Wallaroos, eight. MVP, where Nicky best test match, test match versus Springboks in Adelaide. Best Super Rugby game, Brumbies versus Chiefs. Worst match versus Italy, Humbossy try versus the Highlanders as well. Another shout for that. Four Aussie teams make the Super Rugby finals, and Stan is seven out of ten. So, all I'll say any on, comments that point on that
1: is um, Joey must have missed the Waratahs beating the Crusaders last year, but or uh, this year. So I'll I'll let him pass and and slot that Brumbies game in.
0: That's it. that's exactly right. I mean, they really can only think of themselves down there in the um, divot, which is Canberra, but that's okay. <laughs> um, Sigaboy Rallapeli, Wallabies, 6 out of 10, wins against England, I say, South Africa, uh, Argentina, Scotland and Wales, should have beaten New Zealand, um, can basically beat anybody on a day. The Wallaroos, 8.5 out of 10, upset against one of the big guns would have been a bonus but can't ask much more, won more games than they were meant to. As they continue on with their MVP being Ikatau as well as M. Chancellor with an insane work rate. So you've got another shout for M. Chancellor there, mate.
1: Yeah, she's great. Um, the more we chatter up, the better, in my opinion.
0: Yep, completely agree.
1: Um, he's also got Anslers try against England as his try of the year with Feketi's try against France. Have you? Yeah. Did you already say that? I don't. I am not uh, sure. It's a, no, it's a bit didn't. all over the place. This run sheet.
0: Yeah, I think we've accidentally put something into the footer here because we are consummate professionals. So this yeah. is going to someone go else very, has very well.
1: jumped. In, someone else has jumped in here and stuffed this up. But um, <laughs> and his other point was seven out of ten for Stan. Um, thumbs down for Drew Mitchell. So I think another another person who's in the in your boat and uh, who's not.
0: Oh look, I don't hate the guy. I just think that there could be some points of difference moving forward um okay cool so with that we've got a couple more that we run through so luke austin men five women eight uh jed holloway as the mvp that's an interesting shout shout, good shout yeah. yeah he's he's been fairly consistent um had some good games gone missing a little bit but has probably been a pretty ideal number six for the vast majority of the year. Um, Interesting to see if he's actually going to be consistently playing at six for the Waratahs next year, considering Mm -hmm. our complete lack of locks. So I think Ned is going to basically play lock the whole season. Uh, Wouldn't surprise me if Rennie is having a chat with um, DC, Darren Coleman, and saying, keep Jed at six. We, We need him to get that full Super Rugby. Uh, Experience there Um,
1: How do you you, I mean I don't want to talk too much about it But then how do you Where does uh, Gamble fit
0: Then Gamble With Hooper Yeah You're seven And you manage Hooper's load You just have to manage it Give him 50 minutes And Gamble comes on For the final 30 the other way around, but yeah, anyway, go on, keep going. Yeah, yeah, it's a tough one. Yep. Uh that was Luke Austin, wasn't it? That we were talking through. Yep. Uh, worst game was England, game three. Best game, South Africa in Adelaide. Highlight the Corum Betty tackle in Adelaide and Marky Mark versus Wales. Hopes Tars and the Coleman Magic. Stan it's pretty good, needs an accurate kickoff time so we can avoid all the drivel. All right, fair enough.
1: Uh I don't know now- if that's necessarily Stan's fault, I'll just say on their point. Yeah, um yeah. That's fair. Like the kickoff time for Super Rugby have always been notoriously bad. Like even at the games, be yeah. like 7.45 and the Waratahs have just walked down the chute and it's like kickoff was meant to be now and they've, they don't even have their jerseys on. Like I don't know yeah. if that's necessarily Stan's fault. I know they were great in that first season where we had them. Like there was times on particularly the free-to-air games where the players would be standing there waiting for the kickoff from and like the coverage is at an ad break. So they're all just waiting there and then the refs like, all right, we're back from ad. Okay, you can kick off now um, yep. and stuff like that. So I don't know if it's all just Stan or not, but yeah, keep
0: going. Who knows? Who knows? All right, cool. Um, so Malvarez, five and seven for the men and women out of 10. Shark Hazek for his MVP. Men was the match versus New Zealand in Melbourne was his favourite uh, or is his best and then versus Argentina in San Juan as the worst. Women yep. versus New Zealand in Auckland and then the worst versus Japan on the Gold Coast. Yeah, guys, good if- job. Yep. Yeah, favourite moment was Wallaroos' first half versus New Zealand in a Rugby World Cup pool match. Oh, good shout. Uh, wants less injuries, more continuity of selection and believes 11 out of 10 for the stand coverage. Thanks to Nick McArdle, Ros Kelly and the team. Well done. Excellent comments yeah. there. Uh, Scrumbags, Lucky from Scrumbags. Thanks again for coming on the other week, mate. So, thinks that the Wallabies, 6 out of 10. Wallaroos, 7. Aussie 7s, 10 out of 10. MVPs were Lenny Kittauer, Grace Hamilton and Maddie Levi. And Henry Hutchinson, Matty Levi being an overall pick for Oz Player of the Year. Best game, Adelaide versus Box. Worst game, Sydney versus Box. Uh, best Wallaroos game, Adelaide versus Black Ferns. Worst Wallaroos game, Christchurch versus Black Ferns. Season highlights was the Aussie Sevens Girls Triple Crown and the men's backing up season title with Hong Kong Drought Breaker. Um, so there's a couple more points, but they've been cut off. So I'm sorry, mate. We'll move oh, on. Oh, no, they're down <laughs> a little bit further. So he had oh, to, uh,
1: hopes for 2023 non-rugby World Cup. Uh, d- 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 non-rugby world cup formalizing annual pacific four series with additional o'reilly cup fixture uh, far yep. fewer wallaby injuries and better management of young fly halves which he's written a great article on the raw about noel alessio's development so mm, give him a that was a good rate and then stan seven out of ten desperately needs to freshen up rugby heaven with a live audience maybe take it outside of the studio and into regional clubs like Skydo in new zealand
0: yeah, that'd be really, really cool. That's that's a great initiative and a great idea. Okay, and I think we're moving into the last couple here. Yep. So let's move on to Joe Elliott. Uh, score for the Australian men and women's is 7.5 for the women. Uh, given what they had to work with, it was a great effort. Men, five. There were positives, but still a lot to work on. MVP was Len Iketau, and he survived the season unlike almost everybody else. Yeah, Best that's and true. worst matches yeah. with the same game, uh, All Blacks game in Melbourne. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. I can see how that is both a joy and a horror. Yep. Highlight of the season was the Wales comeback. True. Fair enough. Hopes yep. for 2023 non-rugby World Cup was an All Black win, even just one. So a win against the All Blacks, I'm assuming. And then stand coverage, uh, rating. They're in the UK, so no idea, assuming good so we also have i just want
1: well well done thanks for tuning in joe if you are based in the uk so thanks for listening to the pod and hopefully we're we're keeping up with all of the goss to let you know what's going on back here in oz and if we need to do anything differently do let us know because we we love to help all those expats over there that just love rugby that much they're willing to tune in and listen to us dribble about it for two hours every week
0: <laughs> totally totally so i am just quickly getting up i know we had a couple from simon nelson but they've jumped off the sheet okay so for you mitch really quick question what was the most disappointing match from the tour uh
1: from the spring tour yep yeah i'll um uh, it has to be italy uh we it has to be italy it has to be italy we can't, we can't go past it i mean look when we look at the team and the selection choices that we made and just the changes that we made from week 1 to week for the game before to this week wasn't ever going to go well and it, it went horribly wrong. So yep. it's unfortunate um, that we are sitting here talking about the low point that was getting beaten by Italy, uh, but
0: yeah, not great. Yep, fair enough. Okay, and then the final question, uh, he has a request. He wants a discussion on Charlie Gamble as a potential bolter. Who would he have to unseat? Is he good enough? Is there time? Now that's obviously for the Rugby World Cup 2023 squad. My initial quick shout before you get like, Twenty seconds to quickly reply to this is he would have to unseat Fraser McWright Mm -hmm. I think he's good enough I don't think there's enough time and that it should be done before 2023
1: I think they're two separate questions is he good enough yes in my opinion to unseat Fraser McWright should we do that probably not Agreed. Um, yep. And I guess in terms of future development for the Wallabies post-2023 Rugby World Cup, it's probably not a great idea to bring in a player and, and kick out Fraser McWright because he'll just turn around and sign overseas. And yep. he's put in, what, five years now for Australian rugby in the Queensland Reds. So mm-hmm. you need to you need to show him a little bit of loyalty there too. Um, but yeah, I, I think that he brings a little bit more potentially just purely from the fact that he's just a little bit bigger over the ball than what Fraser McWright can currently do. Um, but yeah, we'll see what
0: happens. Yeah, all right. Good shout. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that took a little bit, but thank you for bearing One thing away. I want to
1: say, and it's it's clear from everyone's responses, Charlotte Kaslick has just absolutely smashed 2022. Mm-hmm. And how exciting yep. is it going to be to see her perform so well for the Sevens in the rest of this World Series for 2022 and 2023? But yep. then... She's she's already spoken about her desire to play for the Wallaroos in the future. So if how she can that make be? that transition into the fifteen-person uh, code, that would be incredible. I would love to see how she could tear up some teams in England in twenty twenty-five. Is it um, twenty twenty-five? Yep. Yeah. So man, I'm I'm excited for that, and that's that's definitely something to look forward to.
0: Brilliant. Well, on that positive note, let's leave it there. It has been a pleasure. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for getting to the end of the pod, and we hope that you have a wonderful week. We'll catch you again next week.